Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Happy Easter. Good to see y'all. Uh, in, a, in a moment of vulnerability and a bad dad moment, I went to register my two younger boys who are still at camp age this morning. And because we homeschool, I don't know what grade they're in. So I, I'm guessing they're so smart they're above what I think they should be. And that's, that's what I'm going with to not feel like a terrible terrible dad. The other three, I figured out what grade they're in, because uh, one's graduating. Um, but yeah, those two, I'm like, they're somewhere in there, but they make me pick a grade. Um, so register your kids for camp. They're going to have a blast. So we're here on Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, celebrating the empty cross, the empty tomb. Uh, I, I was struck by, you know, we have two, two extra crosses on stage this week, this weekend, to represent that moment on Calvary. And we always look at the main cross that Jesus was on as empty, but it struck me as we were sitting there and Mark was talking about the Revelation song and about the the story there, those crosses were empty too uh, at the end of that Friday night. And one of them was in eternity with Jesus and for all intents and purposes from his attitude and his words, the other one is spending an eternity without Jesus in hell. That's sad, but it's curable for everybody that still breathes. And that's why we always talk about Jesus every Sunday. Uh, We especially highlight him on this Sunday uh, because this is uh, an amazing moment. So as we're in our Extraordinary series, our goal today is that we would see that Jesus is truly the answer for everything that comes along that is the stuff of life whether it's uh, relationship stuff or health stuff or confusion or, or, or just the, the state of things or being a parent or being a child, a husband, wife, work. Jesus is the, the answer for every issue that's hard or challenging or confusing, that's unknown, because so many of our questions uh, even become this existential thing, like, why am I here? What's this life for? What is this thing about eternity? Everyone who follows Jesus has come to that question and asked it. And I would guess everyone who hasn't yet made a decision to follow Jesus thinks of that question from time to time. What is this life for and what's after it? So we're going to look in John chapter 3 mostly today. Uh, This conversation about what matters most Um, Some of it we're going to have on screen and some of it I'm just going to read to you. It's this conversation with a man named Nicodemus who was a religious leader of the day. Uh, Wasn't a believer, but it sounded like he was trying to figure it out. Are you the real Messiah? Um, And so I'm going to pick it up in verse 1. Actually, I want to back up because I think it's kind of funny in the the last verse of chapter 2. It says, uh, actually the last two. But when Jesus said this temple, because he was talking to people, He meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this. They believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. And then it goes on in verse 24. It says, Jesus didn't trust the people who were following him now because he was doing amazing things. He didn't trust all of them because he knew human nature. No one needed to tell him what mankind was really like. Uh, I love that. It's like John's like, yeah, we all know. 
how we are. So in verse 1, chapter 3, there's a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. So at night, he, he wanted to know, but he was scared of somebody seeing him go to this guy that was raising a bunch of ruckus. He came to speak with Jesus, and Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. That's why he was gathering a large following from what we read earlier. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, reborn from above is what, what the original really reads. So not, you know, like we were all born, reborn from above. You cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? That's just creepy. Jesus, they didn't say that, I added that in. <laughs> Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit, talking about what comes from above. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. You see, in this initial conversation, Nicodemus wanted, he wanted knowledge answers. He was a smart guy who did religion and followed rules and they had structure, but Jesus was offering the answer to life. And that's our big idea today, that Jesus is God's extraordinary answer. Answer to what, Scott? Everything. He's God's extraordinary, beyond even the word, extraordinary answer. Nicodemus is not a believer here at this point, and he's religious, which those are two huge categories uh, for those who are lost. Lost in religion and lost in not being a believer. So Jesus keeps talking to him and down in verses 14 and 15, he says, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, referring back to Moses taking the people out of Egypt, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. Jesus is saying there in verses 14 and 15, hey, I'm the answer to all the stuff of life that comes along. Moses had lifted up this snake on a pole that represented sin and death and sickness and trouble. Going back to the, the, the serpent in the garden connection there. And it, and it sounds kind of weird to, to think, well, he raised up a bronze snake on a pole and people looked at it. They were, set, they were rescued wherever they, whatever they were struggling with. But it's, it's showing that, hey, this was, a, this was a curse. Like when the enemy came in and we bought into the lie in the garden, things broke. And so you deal with broken stuff in life. And, and, and so it was done back then with Moses and them. And he said, hey, Whatever ails you, you look at this and, and God will rescue you. And they were. And Jesus said in the same way, I'm going to be raised up on a cross. And I will become the curse for all mankind. And anyone who looks to me and accepts me, I will rescue you there. What is there? Whatever that is. 
initially, most importantly, eternal salvation. But he rescues us all along the way in our lives in following him. You just simply look like they did back in the Old Testament and you'll find your answer. All we need to do, look and believe. You're rescued, you're healed, you're saved. We, we see this laid out by Paul in, in the book of Galatians chapter 3. I know I have Galatians in my Bible, I promise you. There we go. Galatians chapter 3, verses 11 through 14. Paul is saying, hey, this is, this is God's answer. Jesus is God's answer for how to rescue us. And he writes this. He'd been talking about the law and how it didn't work anymore. So he says in verse 11, So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it's through obeying the law that a person has life. Now, we don't do law so much anymore in, in America, in, in who we are, that... He was speaking a lot to people who were coming out of Judaism, out of, out of the Hebrew faith, into a, a relationship with Jesus. A, a good common connection for us would be uh, rules, performance, uh, you know, f- following uh, all, all the things of good morality, and, and then I'm saved. So, so it's law for them. We, we have our own religious law kind of in, in our American world today so it it was it was different there for them and and so he says but Christ in verse 13 has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing he absorbed the curse for it is written in scripture cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. God's not disconnected from what you're facing. Paul's telling us there, Jesus gets us. He faced it. He experienced it. He, he, he went through it all. He walked in your shoes. Isaiah 53 is this beautiful, glorious, sad, big passage that's prophesying about Jesus being the suffering servant. The, the, the God made flesh who would come down here and go through all of this stuff of life that we go through, but then he would go through more than us because he would die in our place. He understands. He gets you. And, and, you know, it doesn't just stop at compassion or empathy or understanding. That's great. But what's greater is that in Jesus and through Jesus only, you can be saved eternally and then saved in the midst of all the stuff we go through on planet Earth. Because Jesus said, hey, you're going to have troubles and trials and sorrow on planet Earth. But take heart, I overcame the world. Only in and through me can you experience the peace that Jesus promises. Here and in eternity, we're never going to have to deal with junk and stuff. We've got it made. That's faith. Then we go back to John chapter 3 and we read perhaps the greatest two 
verses in the history of mankind. John 3, verse 16 says this, For God loved the world so much. Substitute you. For God loved you. God loved me so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Jesus. God's answer to the question about eternal life is right here. In verse 16, he says, I love you so much. So here's Jesus. For you and in your place. Because sin has a price. And so Jesus is going to earn the right to pay the price. And then in verse 17, I want you so much. I want you back into the family that I originally designed. So he's going to rescue you and not judge you. And again, Paul unpacks this more for us in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He tells us God's answer to broken and destroyed relationship. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 says, and all of this, all the big stuff Paul, Paul's unpacking is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So he reconciled us and now he says, you're saved, go reconcile others to me. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Some of you, you probably walk in shame at times, or this week, or maybe even this morning, it was hard to get up and think of coming because you're like, eh. But it says here, he's no longer counting people's sins against them. Those who have placed their life in Jesus have chosen a life of faith, who say, I believe in you. He's no longer counting sins against you. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Jesus Christ when we plead, come back to God. Verse 21, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. For a time on that Friday... Jesus became all sin. Everybody in this room, all the sins we've committed, everybody outside of this room on planet Earth right now, all the sins they've committed, everyone who has been born and died before this day, all of their sins they've ever committed, everyone who will come along after this day on planet Earth until the end comes, all those sins in one Moment, Jesus took all the sins on himself because of love. That moment on that Friday night changed everything forever. These simple verses here capture the heart of the good news of the gospel. The good news about, about Jesus and us humbling himself. This, this sinless Jesus took upon himself all the sin he canceled its power through his death and resurrection. 
All for you. We were praying this morning as elders, and one of our elders prayed, and as he said something, I was just struck by it. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God could have, because he's God, and he just can create and do whatever he wants. He could have said, closing that one up, wiping it off, I'm going to start fresh. But instead, he said, I'm going to redeem. I'm going to buy them back. I'm going I'm to defeat sin and death and the grave and the enemy. I'm not just going to wipe the slate clean and start over. I am going to, I have a way that will save them. That's the Genesis 3.15 promise. This promise to, to redeem all of humanity by Jesus offering his body and then in their place. And then all we do is say yes to it and we can be saved. When we believe and accept through faith, we are born again from above like Jesus told Nicodemus. And we are given God's righteousness like Paul tells us here. Forgiven, reconciled in relationship, restored to the original design while still being restored and fine-tuned along the way. You see, forgiveness is absolutely, it's been done. Like the cross, he didn't have to keep forgiving us. He forgave. When we accept through repentance, it meets in the middle of our acceptance of what's already done and we are reconciled with God. That's the story of the gospel in a nutshell. He forgave. I accept in repentance. I'm reconciled and our relationship is restored. And then he's fine tuning me along the way while still seeing me as righteous. And because I'm in Jesus and I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit at salvation, I can't lose this. I can't be separated. Verse 21 there in 2 Corinthians 5 is probably the greatest verse in the Bible to describe our salvation through a sinless Savior and His substitutionary death on the cross. He took it all for us and then He gave all of what He is to us. That's the great exchange. 2 Corinthians 5.21, you should mark it, circle it. I don't know if you're a tattoo person, tattoo it to you. Like the great exchange, you cannot get better than that message. Jesus took all your darkness and blackness and sin, and he gave you all his righteousness. And he was happy to do it. We walked away with God's righteousness. God sees us as perfect and righteous as he sees Jesus for those who believe through faith. For the believer, it means that we follow him only. And that only is a big word for believers because we have all these other things in life around us that are trying to be our only. It might be work. It might be pressure. It might be culture. It might be popularity, keeping up with the Joneses, uh, you know, uh, serving you know, your, your, your child's desires and needs or the things that you're trying to do your desires and needs through. It, it, it might be just the, the urgency of time and how, how limited it can feel. Those things want you to serve those things. Most of us in this room, we're not going to have the devil with horns and a pitchfork going, come follow me, come follow me. We're not, we're not going to be caught up in that. But he has his ways. He's a schemer and a deceiver. So he will try to get you to follow something else only. So for the believer in this room or listening, 
It means we follow him only. So maybe a recommitment is needed. Jesus says, come on. Maybe a rededication is required. Maybe repentance. Jesus, I, you say you aren't counting sins against me, and I've been a terrible follower lately. Will you forgive me? He says, yes, that's what I do. Like, I already did the, the tough stuff. So yeah, I'll forgive you in this. So repent and then, and then turn and walk different. Repentance, recommitment, rededication, they all require faith. And both the, the recommitment, the rededication, or the repentance, both of those things are met with the full joy and backing of the living God because He is for you. He loves relationship with you. That's why He's been, He loved the garden before sin when He walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve and just talked to them. I mean, picture that. The living God walking in your favorite area, like whatever, maybe you hike or maybe you like going to the lake or walk in the golf course or something like your favorite thing. God's like, hey, you ready to go for a walk every day? That's what he's restoring us back to. That's his desire. We struggle with other desires. He's like, that's my desire. Is that relationship? I like you. I love you. We made a way for you to have that with me. And John 3, verse 18, right after he, Jesus has that huge moment with, with Nicodemus, he says, there's no judgment against anyone who believes in Jesus. It was interesting yesterday, you know, we had Good Friday on Friday, and we celebrated with communion. I sat over there with my youngest, that I don't know what grade he's in, but he is eight years old. <laughs> and we did communion together. And I realized as I was doing it, it's the first time I've ever done communion with him. And we were talking, and I was much more emotional than he was. But, but then Saturday, we woke up, and he's a human. And he's very human at times. And so he and one of the brothers, they had it all out. The whole neighborhood got to hear it. If you live in Delaware Springs on Rachel Loop, sorry for yesterday. That was my kids, not me. Um, so the consequences were, you're sitting for an hour. And so it was, it was a painful hour. And when it was done, I said, hey, hey, Finn, come here. And he walked into the room and I said, you know, you're never not loved. I love you. But sometimes we got to deal with stuff. And this is what he said. I wrote it down. He said, yeah, like Jesus said last night with the blood on the cross and everything, he's going to always just love me now. That is the gospel. Yeah, with what Jesus said on the cross with the blood and everything, forgiven relationship is there by faith you just receive it and he's never going to not love you now that's what he was saying in verse 18 God's answer to the question about how he sees us accept the answer that is Jesus and no condemnation on you so for the unbeliever in this room or listening it means you choose his invitation to eternal life or not you will choose all of us that follow him and believe in him, we've chosen. We had to say yes. He did everything else. We just said yes. You will choose by virtue of how you live your life and who you follow, what you believe in, whether you accept Jesus or not. The thief on the cross that said, Jesus, if you could just remember me today. And Jesus said, Don, 
done. You're with me forever. And the other thief said, nah. We're all going to choose. We're all going to follow one of the two examples that died on that hill with Jesus that day. And to choose Jesus, it means that you surrender to his leadership in everything. But Scott, I fail, right? You do fail, but he's going to turn you more into his image all the time and get into a good group of people who are following Jesus, and that will help you grow in that. That requires faith to submit to his leadership. It requires submission. It's your choice. And nothing you ever do will matter more or mean more or provide more for your life because it actually provides for your eternity. The only eternal decision you will ever make is following Jesus or not. And everyone who's ever existed will choose their eternity. The fact that Jesus had to die for me, that was humbling. Because I didn't want anybody to have to do anything for me. And so when I realized it and I came to this place of, wow, you, you actually had to die for me or else I wouldn't have any chance of, of being saved. And like, that, 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 that dealt a death blow to my pride and my anger and my, and my control and the lordship of my own life. The reality that Jesus was glad to do it, the joy set before him, that broke and won me over. He wants you. He longs for you. Either in a recommitment and rededication or in, in making a decision for the first time ever to place your life in his. And he says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart, your life, and I knock. I knock. I will knock until your last breath, if that's what it takes. And if anyone's heart is drawn to the knock, and they open the door, and they accept Jesus, He says, I'll come in, and we will feast together every day. You will be mine, and I will be yours while you live this life on planet Earth, and then for eternity, you will be mine. But you've got to open the door. And he says again, like I said earlier in John 16, there's going to be troubles in this world, but he's overcome it. So you choose him, you get the peace that comes with answering the door. So what do you say? Do you want to follow? Do you want to make that decision? He says, anybody who, who says, I accept who cries out to Jesus. Romans 10 says, if you believe it in your heart and you speak it out with your mouth, you are saved. If you call out on the name of the Lord, he will save you. You are his. It's that simple to start. Lordship is that daily thing that believers choose. Salvation is a decision you make to say, yes, I accept the invitation to eternal life. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. We're going we're to pray in just a moment together. And then we're going to worship with a couple of songs at the end. But I want to give the opportunity for anybody who needs to recommit or rededicate, maybe repent, to just, just do that this morning before we worship. And then, and then for anybody who, who's never said yes to Jesus, again, know that He wants relationship with you. 
And this will be your moment, your opportunity to be saved eternally. Your eternal life can begin now. We still live in a broken world now, but eternal life can set in. And then eternity comes and there is no brokenness. The garden will pale. The garden of Eden will pale in comparison to what we get to exist in in eternity forever. Talk about paradise. We can't even fathom it. So I'm going to pray right now for those who are believers and, and you need to make a decision maybe to, to submit something to God or recommit something to God uh, to repent. And then, and then I'm going to pray for those uh, who want to make a decision to follow Jesus. And here's my encouragement at the end of the service that you come up here and you get prayer. If you need a Bible, we will give you a Bible to have for your very own, whether you're getting saved for the first time today or, or you're just like, I need a Bible. We'll give you one. We'll gather around you and pray. We'll commit to, to, to lift you up in prayer. But uh, if you could just close your eyes right now. And first for the, for the believers, for those who follow Jesus. If there's anyone in this room, you need to make a, a recommitment, a rededication. Right now is your moment. Nicodemus was seeking the truth, and, and so he was asking the questions. He wasn't a believer yet, but, but we already follow Jesus. We know that, that God loved us so much that he gave his very son to, to die in our place so we could have eternal life, but maybe we're not living that way. So Jesus, right now, Everybody in this room, across this sanctuary, if there's anyone who just needs to recommit to you, I pray right now that they would just, in their own words, just speak out their prayer of recommitment, rededication to following the risen Savior, their, their Lord, their King Jesus. That they would, they would speak to you, Holy Spirit, who already resides in them and say, counsel me and comfort me. Help me to walk this life like you've called me to walk this life. I want to follow you all the days of my life with reckless abandon, with, with joy overflowing, with, with you being the only one I look at. And I pray this prayer for all of us believers that we would, that we would look at your face, we would look to your face, and, and, and like the old song says, all the things of earth would grow strangely dim in light of your glory and your grace to us that favor that you just rest upon us. Oh, I pray that hearts would be turned towards you right now, that hearts would be recommitted to you right now, Jesus, that lives would be, would be returned to you in submission and give you all the keys to our life, nothing hindering us, nothing, nothing being our only other than you, Jesus. And for all of those who don't know you, they're in this room, they're listening, they're watching, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you just pierce their hearts? Just pierce it in this holy moment. Like salvation's on the line. Eternity's on the line right now. I pray they would even hear the knocking of the risen King right now. They would just hear Jesus saying, I'm here. I'm here. Open the door. I'll come in. I will be with you through everything you face, through the, the joyful times we'll celebrate together and through the tough times. I will meet you there because I've walked you in your shoes. I've walked that road. That they would hear the invitation from heaven that says, I, I died while you were yet a sinner. 
There's a, there's a price that, that sin has to pay, but, but I took the price. If you'll let me be your substitute, I've already taken it. Just accept me, and then, and then your judgment will only be based on all the things I have done. And when you stand before the living God at the end of time, He will judge you according to me and not the things you've done. Lord, help those who don't yet know you or follow you or fully commit to you to surrender. It's okay to surrender. It's okay to surrender. It's okay to submit. It's okay to be broke down. Just look. Just open. Just accept. He says, I want your life. I love you that much. God the Father's saying, come on, I sent my son for you. The Holy Spirit says, I'm ready to move in and be everything for you to turn you into the image of Jesus. Just accept right now. And I pray that all across this room and those listening, I pray that there wouldn't be one person leave this room not saved by the grace and mercy of the living God who beat sin and death and, and struck down the grave. By that grace and that mercy and that love and that compassion, everyone would accept you. I pray that hearts would be attached to yours right now, Jesus. So if that's you, you just say, yes, Jesus. Like the thief on the cross, can you remember me today? I pray you would hear Jesus say, yes, and every day you are with me for eternity. And Jesus, we thank you for all that you did from the Friday we celebrate to all that you did during, during that Saturday and just defeating and destroying the whole of the enemy and then rising again to new life on that Sunday morning so that the tomb and the cross are empty. And when we look at them, we see a, a, a victory symbol in our lives. And so we will worship you right now, the God who is worthy of our worship. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.